A Nephew's The Wizard of Oz and Middle Child Syndrome. Mary Poppins. Wednesday, November 9th, 2022. I think that steak might be bad. It feels like it's just on the cusp. Damn. On the one hand, I don't want to waste it. On the other hand, I don't want to give my mom food poisoning. I was dubious even before I cooked it, but I thought, nah, I'm being overcautious. So I got everything ready, including the chimichurri sauce, which is the most labor-intensive part. But not like that labor-intensive. About 15 minutes of cilantroing, garlicking, and gathering ingredientsing, plus the dishes. Oh, lame, I'm going to have to clean the grill, and with nothing to show for it. I've decided to opt for the not-risking-food-poisoning option, because I'm really looking forward to a weekend where my mom and I can just chill. When she visited me in Toronto, I immediately came down with a vicious flu, and she spent the whole time taking care of me. This time I'd like to equalize it just a tiny bit. I spontaneously left the house at 7 p.m. and walked more than three blocks, which is very impressive if I do say so myself. I just suddenly got the urge to go shopping for my mom, because she said when she lands she'll be hungry. And the best thing about reaching a destination is always the food. Plus the shower, and the bed, and I have all three. I had been waiting to go shopping because I want to show her all the cool little shops in my neighborhood, and plus she's complicated to shop for. But I decided to have a few pre-approved munchies on hand. I spoke to my mom earlier on the phone. The weather is completely unpredictable right now, so it's hard to know whether to tell her to pack a raincoat, a bathing suit, a complete winter get-up with snow pants, or all of the above. I've offered to supplement her wardrobe as much as possible, because she's planning on arriving with a purse and a laptop bag. My mom is a badass. I asked her what her most recent dietary restrictions are. No gluten, no dairy, except for Emmenthal and Gruyere, and she'll taste a bit of my challah. Believe it or not, this seems reasonable compared to my sister's regimes. Now we see where my sister gets it from. I was planning on marinating the steak and chimichurri overnight. Lame. The worst part is, we'll never know if I made the right decision. The only way we could know would be if I did eat it and then got food poisoning. It's so annoying. Speaking of sisters, mine has been given supposed permission for Willow to come visit me. Not without first inquiring as to the type of heating in my home and presence of mold. She also reminded me that Willow, quote, isn't good at self-regulating, should avoid sugar at all costs, needs protein for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and eats no vegetables. I am not making this up. Ouch, my tongue was sore from biting it. There were so many things I wanted to say but did not. The important thing is that Willow is coming, and I told my sister that if I'm going to be feeding her organic meat for literally all of her meals, she can be the one to pay for it. No wonder my brothers all just throw up their hands and act like my 45-year-old sister's behavior is my mom's problem to fix. Seriously, they get annoyed that mom doesn't ground her or something. I heard a quote the other day. How did it go? I almost wrote it down. It went, oh, that's right, it's about rain in the fourth book of the Wicked series. What a brilliant series. People don't realize, but The Wizard of Oz was just the one of the, and what it was just one of an incredible set of fantasy stories set in the magical land of Oz. L. Frank Baum, is that his name? I need to double check. I checked. I was right. Hooray! Created an entire universe. The books were incredible. So then Jeffrey, okay, hang on, I need to look up author names. I blame Kindles. You don't see the author names on them. Ha! Okay, I was close, kind of. Gregory Maguire, that's his name. He wrote Wicked, which all, we all know as the Broadway play. 
but it's just one of four books, and each is more nuanced than the last. They're all set in that exact same universe, except the audience is older. There's even gay sex. It's extremely well written, and I'm curious about the author, who says in a foreword somewhere that he's in the process of transcribing all his diaries. I think I may need to do that one day. Transcribe my diaries, I mean. Some of them are almost three decades old already, and it's like they're living time capsules. Which is kind of cool, because as a kid I loved the idea of a time capsule. In fact, I probably made one or two, long forgotten in the soil of somebody else's backyard. I created my own living time capsules. The pages are yellowing. It's the strangest thing, because it was me who put ink to paper when it was crisp and white, and it's the same me reading those yellowed papers. And they'll only keep getting yellower. Oh, right, the quote. Okay, so in the fourth and last book in the Gregory Maguire Oz spin-off, there's this girl called Rain. I'm pretty sure I know who she is, but I'm not going to spoil it for you, just in case. But I think, 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 think I know who she is. And that's based on my slivers of memories of Oz books from a trillion years ago. I forget books. I forget characters. I forget plots. I forget details. I read them. I love them. And then the memory of literally the entire story slips quietly out the door. I remember a few key moments, and that is it. If I reread a book, I often remember things right before they occur, which is irritating. One time, I only realized I'd read a book moments before the cliffhanger ending, which I of course suddenly remembered. That was really annoying. So the narrator says something like, Rain. I'm going to just go get my Kindle. Hang on. Damn. See, this is the other problem with Kindles. You can't just flip through the pages and find the quote you want. I'll have to approximate. Wait, no. Success. I discovered the Kindle search function. Let it be noted for the record that I still prefer real books. As a social unit, families have only limited tenure, though it's the rare soul who comprehends this while still a child. Rain was that soul. That's the quote. I guess I was that soul, too. Maybe I didn't always comprehend that my nuclear family was temporary, but I think from about the age of 12 it became pretty obvious. My siblings took off. Mandy went on her epic journey and came home with a husband, and my big brother went off to be a rebel, chasing the dreams of a lost-in-between-the-beats generation. He drank around campfires, read poetry, hopped trains, learned to be a hobo. You know, the important coming-of-age experience for privileged upper-middle-class teenagers. I loved my brother's adventures. You can see it in my diary. I have emails printed from both him and me. Sis, come see me. It's beautiful here. There are trees and flowers, wind, hammocks. Why didn't I go visit him? I wonder to myself as I read. That sounds amazing. But I don't remember visiting him in a place like that. Why not, if he invited me? He meant as a we a few times in the letter, but I struggled to remember who the other half of that sentence would refer to. Until suddenly I did remember. It was Crystal. Beautiful Crystal. I may have loved her as much as my brother did. I also remembered that they were in South America. That's why I didn't go visit. South America is far. It's strange that my brothers and my adventures rarely seemed to collide. Well, at the beginning he started me out, though. I dumpster-dived with him in Eugene, Oregon. We ate leftover pad thai from a garbage can. I am not making this up. I don't know where I'll be sleeping, he had informed me. You've got to make your own plans. Because I, at age 15, obviously knew where to find shelter on a pennies-a-day budget in Eugene, Oregon. Luckily, he didn't let me go actually homeless, and I ended up on the floor or a couch or something of friends of friends. We all woke up in the morning, groggy and tired from uncomfortable sleep. I never felt cooler in my life. I had really grown up now. 
then 9-11 happened, and I suddenly was ready to go home now, except I didn't have the right ID for the increased security measures and ended up stranded in Oregon, homesick and defeated, the embarrassing little sister. I think my brother was pretty nice to me, but I remember feeling like I'd failed. I discovered a pamphlet at the friend of the friend's house railing against capitalism. I think that the cover was labeled with anar the anarchy symbol or a union logo or something. I re read most of the document. I don't have any good memory of what it contained. It was very radical, I'm pretty sure, probably because it used the word radical a lot. I do remember the overarching theme of the injustice of capitalism resonating as a solid fact. Because it's simply unfair that some of us are born with resources and some of us aren't. And the unfairness would be at least tenable if we had all the resources we needed to survive. But some of us don't. Although I suppose that was true before capitalism. Or was it? There are probably historical treaties on these sort of things that line it up and pin the change from hunter-gatherer to agriculture and the need for trade and therefore capitalism. But when did the injustice start? I guess little communities were springing up all over the world, right? From some kind of migration? Ice ages and all that. And the communities handled different resource sharing differently. Did everything used to be fair or was it only the strong survive? Now it's only the lucky and greedy survive. I guess I have to bone up on my ancient history so I can figure out whether capitalism and the root of all evil truly do go hand in hand. Anyway, regardless of your opinion on the matter, capitalism is here to stay, at least for the foreseeable future. So teaching your kids to abhor money seems like a very poor life decision. But try telling that to my sister. Hopefully I can show Willow that being a super boss bitch is actually quite empowering, and that will overcome the fact that every night at dinner my sister and her husband rail against, well, against absolutely everything, but chief among them, capitalism, no longer being hunter-gatherer, no longer using traditional things, chemicals and things, unhealthy eating, traditional education, western medicine, the media as defined by them, organized religion, the multinationals, and all governments. This is the curriculum my sister has decided to give her kids. They're not really learning to think objectively, even though she's got an entire thing on objectivity hand-copied on a cabinet in her kitchen. They're simply learning to parrot every single one of her many opinions. She really thinks she's raising them to be open-minded, even as she micromanages every little thing they do. It boggles the mind. I suppose I think I'm objective too, but I can back it up by showing you the times I've suspended my personal involvement and emotional attachment in order to contemplate the possibility of a truth that could benefit someone other than me. They're not considering the pros and cons of a democracy. They're just discussing how bad it all is, unilaterally. I mean, they do some math, too, the kids. But seriously, the basis of my niece and nephew's education is hate the world. Meanwhile, my sister and her kids feel completely isolated because they don't have anyone to hang out with. Um, that's what happens when you write off absolutely everyone. So yeah, by the time I was 12, my older siblings were gone. I missed them terribly. There were lots of letters. I've saved some of them. Meanwhile, I had my beasts of little brothers at home with me, so I guess I really was the oldest for most of my adolescence. Funny, because I identify so heavily with being the middle child. It did make me treasure the moments we all had together as a family. My mom would plead and beg, and suddenly Joseph would make an appearance, back from freight train hopping in Wyoming or taking photos in Somalia or wherever he had last been. Those nights when he would get home, with all of us in the living room, Dad and the piano, or maybe Mandy, finally home with her husband. My older sister I idolized so. 
mom singing, my little brothers playing, and me just sitting on the couch, breathing the love in and understanding that these moments were getting fewer and farther between. There's nothing like travel to make you appreciate home. Maybe that's what we should be telling Forrest. Maybe we've been taking the completely wrong tack. The thing is, it's so hard to intervene with my sister's family because her rule is ironclad. But recently, she emailed all of us. She likes to email everyone at once to tell them everything she thinks about everything. But then she gets very triggered if you email her to tell her what you think about even certain things. Even the ones that she was opining on, believe it or not. God, it is tiring. She emailed us to say that she was planning a trip for a forest to the eldest. He does not feel inclined to go to college at this time, so we're taking a trip to talk to people about their careers and lives, she said. Okay. Um, I mean, interviewing adults about adulting is actually a pretty awesome idea. But I just love the part where she talks about Forrest's inclination. As though it's completely separate from the fact that basically since the day he was born, she's been telling him that college is for chumps. And college can be for chumps. It can be overpriced and irrelevant, especially if you spend $100,000 on, I don't know, a basket-weaving degree. But Forrest is a fucking genius. The kid is smart. Really, really smart. Smart enough that if he actually tried, he would likely get a perfect score in the SATs. But his parents have told him that it's a dumb test, so obviously he doesn't feel like taking it. My sister planned the trip according to her own timeline, because that's what she always does, so I wasn't able to fly down to New Jersey in order to be interviewed by Forrest, because obviously she couldn't include Montreal as a place to visit on this college tour, I mean visit my old friends and pretend it is a guidance counseling trip of hers. So I read him, wrote him a 16-page letter instead. I tried, I really did. I told him about my own college experience, the good, the bad, the ugly. There was a lot of all, all of those things. I tried to present a balanced perspective, and I wrote it all as though my nephew's parents might be reading it, because they might. At the end, I offered to take him on a college tour and help him with logistics if he desired to explore that path further. A month later, I received a very polite thanks-but-no-thanks paragraph from him. One point for my nephew, he can write a good email. The only one of my siblings who was around for this world tour of my sister's old friends was my next younger brother, Sam. Oh, Sam. He was such a tremendous pain in the butt when he was a kid, and now he's like, family, family, let's all stick together. Then he calls me for help when he realizes he can't actually stand being with his family. He called me twice that evening. I coached him through it and reminded him about boundaries. The thing is, Forrest doesn't have to go to college. It's just that for me it opened a trillion doors, and I learned how to respect diversity. It was an important step, especially after growing up with limited exposure to certain ways of thinking. I mean, that's all of us, isn't it? No matter how we were raised, we need to climb out of the nest and explore. If we're to coexist in this non-hunter-gatherer world, we need to know each other. I went to college, and it helped make me who I am today. It seems crazy to me that Mindy can completely write off something that was so crucial to her own sister's life and career. She didn't come to my college graduation. Not out of spite, just because she was at the point in her helicopter mother career wherein she spent every single second of the day wrangling with Forrest, who was very young and extremely impossible to handle. I know traveling with children is tricky. I do. But my sister conducts bike camping trips with her kids when she feels like it on a regular basis, and I have stopped believing the illnesses and neurodiversity she fabricates for them a long time ago. 
Regardless, maybe she was right. Maybe Forrest was as autistic as she was saying. Obviously, he didn't get diagnosed by anyone. She self-diagnosed him and then imposed a diet so severe that I think what finally made Forrest crack wasn't the absence of bad bacteria in his gut biome, but the fact that my sister literally imposed her will upon him until he learned to obey. Even if he wasn't feeling well, arrangements could have been made. She could have come. She missed my graduation where I freaking gave the valedictory speech. I am still mad at her for missing it. That's the God's honest truth. Damn, I don't know if I've ever written this honestly about my sister before. Yikes. Anyway, about dumpster diving. Maybe my brothers and I shouldn't be going so nuts about college. Forrest will always be smart. If he ever feels motivated, he can do it. Maybe we should encourage him to explore instead. To see the world. Experience other cultures, other ways of thinking. Step outside the nest, which my sister is dying for him to do anyway, except for the part where she's sure, not sure how he'll be able to get the exact food that she needs him to eat, and so maybe she'll hand-deliver it to him wherever he's living three times a day. Okay, yeah, I'm angry. I would take Forrest traveling myself, except that I have a feeling we would massively get on each other's nerves. So I'll settle for kidnapping Willow next spring instead. She's ten and has far fewer opinions. And Forrest knows that when he's ready for an internship, I will get him one. Oh, Anting. Jeez. Love. Who? Mistress Me? Baby Girl? Love. Mary Poppins. <laughs>